listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And i got to tell you something, people. Sometimes my wife, Joanne, she says I'm spiteful. Okay, she'll say that. And, and I think I got it from my dad, because my dad was a spiteful man. And when I think about it, I am. And I do it, I think, sometimes just to piss her off. And it is it is very childish. And, and my guest today, his his character, Mocha Joe and Kirby Enthusiasm, was was... Such one of the biggest characters I've seen in a long time that people remember so well. But he was the object of spite. And I think he single-handedly, because of his relationship with Larry David, brought spite back into the forefront. And my guest is Severio Guerra. How you doing today? How are you, man? I'm good. Nice to be here. So, so, I mean, I'm just thinking, you've had a great career, and then, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, you become this cult figure. Because, you know, I, I know Larry Thomas, who played... The soup Nazi and and his career. I mean, I was at a party with him, and you know, people are going up to him the whole time, and he just wanted to have a beer. You know, people are like, no beer for you, no beer for you. But for you, well, I want to ask you first of all. I saw your tweet today. Was the doctor? Did that really happen with your doctor? Because you're very funny on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, you get it all the time. You know, Mother Jones. You know, it's funny because you're doing something for so long, and I've been an actor for thirty. 33 years, you know, I've been doing it, and I've been on, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to be on a lot of different shows, and be, you know, be be, be a regular on shows, and, and you know, and, uh, but, you know, Curb is like an, an entity of its own, you know, the, the fans are, you know, they, they're, you know, they're, they're heavy-duty fans, you know, and uh, for some reason, people love this character, they love to hate him, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult now, it's odd, because after, you know, it's odd to be doing it that long and then, you know, go outside and, and, and now the new thing is just Mocha Joe, you know, everywhere. And I got a little of that, believe it or not. I got a little, Julia Louise Dreyfus said to me when I was, when I was shooting, when, when Larry first introduced the character in, uh, in season seven, in the season finale with the Seinfeld reunion cast, he brought the Seinfeld people back to uh, reunite them. And, uh, I was shooting a scene with Larry and Jerry, and when it was over, she said to me, she was sitting off to the side, and she said, okay, you're not going to be Bob on Becker anymore. You're officially going to be annoyed as Mocha Joe. You know, that's it. It's over. You're not Bob anymore. You're, you know, for six years, I played, you know, on, I played Bob on Becker with Ted Danton, so, you know, I get, obviously, you get that when you're on television every week. But with uh, Mocha Joe, it's a whole, I get a lot of fuck you, Mocha Joes, from people screaming in cars, fuck you, Mocha Joe. <laughs> I get, uh... A guy came up, I was in CVS getting getting something, a guy walked over to me the other day and said, you know, I don't give a shit what anybody said, just going to fucking great. And I said, well, just weird stuff, you know. <laughs> and they're funny and, you know, I was in I was in a parking lot of a, uh, up here in uh, Rhinebeck where I live, and early in the morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's a dead town, no one's out that early, you know what I mean? It's, it's just sleepy town or that early in the morning, and, uh, I came out of a store uh, getting a coffee, ironically, had a coffee in my hand, and I'm walking back to the parking lot, and this car is driving really, really slow, just so slow, like, and like, I'm a kid from Brooklyn, I'm like, what, is this a hit? You know, they, <laughs> my, my, am I getting whacked? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I don't care where I am, wind back, I don't care, uh, to me, I'm like, any, this could be anybody, and they drive really slow, I got the coffee, I'm looking over my shoulder, I'm like, what, and they're kind of following me, they're tailing me, you know, as I walk to my car, and I get to my car, and they kind of pull up alongside me, and he pulls up alongside me, and he goes, 
fuck you, Mocha Joe. And then he drives off, you know. And <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning in Hudson Valley, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, this stuff is... And you know what I think added to it, you know, because we, we've been on, um, you know, we're just getting out of lockdown. In New Jersey we are, you know, and, and you know, me and my wife are very uh, secure to the rules. I mean, our, our first wedding anniversary, we couldn't find anywhere. We actually drove to Watkins Glen because we knew no one would be there. But I think what happens is so many people binged so much TV that before, you know, before people knew Curb Your Enthusiasm, who had HBO? And then all of a sudden HBO Max comes and you can start streaming it so it's cheaper. And then everyone's inside and they have nothing to watch. And then, you know, I always, you know, I always say if none of my friends have watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, I go, what's wrong with you guys? You know, all my friends have watched it. But I think all these people are watching it. So then all of a sudden your popularity as that character has increased probably 35% wise. And that changes you. Exactly. We premiered in January 2020. And, you know... A month later, we, everybody was in lockdown. So we, we were on like a fourth episode, a fifth episode when, you know, and I was already, because it, the show premiered in January, and I think, I, I think it was after the second episode, I was in Manhattan, I went to the city, where the whole, everything shut down, this is before anything happened, I was in, I was in the city, uh, and... Already, it was odd. Already, the Mocha Joe was already starting. Like, people on the street told you, like, you know, Mocha Joe, Mocha Joe, Mocha people were screaming. And it was so weird, you know. Like I said, I played certain characters. I just think, I think the popularity is, you know, it's a curb thing. People, you know, they're, the curb fans are very, like, you know, my brother is the biggest Kirby enthusiasm fan. Like, so, like, he's like one of those people. Like, every little thing, he knows everything about the show. And it's, I just think it's the popularity of Curb and Larry. And that it just, you know, I've done other stuff, but for some strange reason, this has just been kind of the weirdest couple of years uh, years since, since it premiered, because it's like everywhere I go, I can no longer go to a restaurant if my table's wobbly, I can't tell them. <laughs> well, you know what's amazing? You know what's amazing about it is, you know, and, and I've t- I talked to a lot of actors, and when you were in that season uh, seven, I mean, season, the final episode, in the Seinfeld episode, I'm sure you probably thought it was just a one and done because so many actors sit there and go, we go in, we do a spot, and then we never sing, and then some actors go, we get a callback. How did the callback happen? I mean, it must have been out of the blue. I met Larry 30-something years. I knew Larry. I met Larry 30-something years ago. Larry's uh, wife, ex-wife, Lily David, produced the first television pilot that I ever got cast in as an actor. And it was around the time that Seinfeld was just becoming a hit. It was a, it was a big, you know, just becoming a, a, a thing. So they had asked Lori to ask Larry to come down to our taping night of the pilot to help out because the network, of course, wasn't really happy with the pilot. And everybody wanted, it was, uh, it was around that time where everybody wanted a Seinfeld. Everybody was trying to get a Seinfeld. So, you, you know, you had your standard sitcom, the, the friend, the guy and all his funny friends, you know. So I was doing this play, uh, this uh, pilot with about a guy who was a writer and he had all these funny friends in Red Hook, Brooklyn. So Larry comes down to help out, but they don't want Larry to let on to the writer who wrote the pilot that he might be helping out because they don't want the writer to know that Larry is there to take a look at things. So that's when I first met Larry. He starts coming backstage before my entrances and he's writing lines on matchbook covers or napkins and he's saying, here, say this, say this when you come in. And I'm like, what do you, what do you, he said, just say this. Say this when you come in. I'm like, 
don't don't say the scripted. Say this line. And I come in and I say the line Larry gave me and get a big laugh and and the and the other writers going like, what was that? What was that? Why didn't you say the line I wrote? You know, <laughs> he put me in. So he been doing that all night. You know, what I mean, saving. He gave me a napkin, a matchbook cover uh, that he was writing stuff on. So that's when I first met Larry. So what happened was that pilot didn't get picked up. But ironically, Castle Rock, that produces that was producing Seinfeld at the time, was producing that pilot as well. A guy named Andy Ackerman was directing the pilot. Larry and him hit it off so well on that pilot that he hired Andy to direct Seinfeld. And then the writer who wrote the pilot, Larry hired him to be a writer on Seinfeld, and Castle Rock offered me a development deal to create my own show because I liked my work on the pilot. So the pilot didn't go, but we all got kind of got these jobs connected to Larry David out of it. But that was it. Then I you know, I would see Larry from time to time, but I mean, I wasn't at, in any way, shape, or form uh, friendly with him in terms of, you know, seeing him outside of that. I'd see him at Ted Danton's house maybe once or twice at an event or a party, a benefit. And, uh, and then that was it, you know. And then I was on Becker for six years, and all of a sudden I got a call from my, my original thing came up in a normal kind of way. My manager, called, my agent called me up and said, hey, have you ever done Kirby Enthusiasm? I had a new agent at the time. And I said, no, I, I've never done it. It's ironic. I know Larry. I know I know that. But I, I, I've never done it. And and I never did a Seinfeld. I auditioned for an episode of Seinfeld that they, they, they wanted me to do. And then they hired someone else. And then they fired the person who did it and tried to get me to come do it. But I had already gotten a movie and I couldn't do it. So I had the weird Seinfeld. So when I did Curb, it was weird because I thought I was supposed to do Seinfeld many years ago, but I never did. So now I'm doing Seinfeld and Curb kind of at the same time because he's reuniting the Seinfeld. They rebuilt the entire Seinfeld set. So when I walk on the stage, it's the Seinfeld set. So in a weird way, that all happened. And I said, no, I've never done it. She goes, well, there's this part they're reading people for. Do you want it? And I didn't say, hey, I know Larry. I don't want to read. I was like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go in. I'll go audition for it. So I get there and everybody's there reading for this part. Like every guy from Saturday Night Live, you know, all these people, all these comics, everybody there. So I'm like, you know, I'm not getting this. You know, they're gonna they're gonna give it to somebody else. So then Larry comes out, I believe, or the casting director comes out, and they give they give you a piece of paper, and I open the piece of paper up, and it says, "You're Mocha Joe. You're a coffee guy on the lot. Larry, did you 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 did Larry a favor, but he didn't tip you, and that's it." That's all they give you. And then you go in the room and Larry had a coffee cart in the room and Larry's there and Jeff Schaefer's there and, and all these guys are there. And, and, and then we just started improvising and we just improvised and that was it. And I, and I left and I said, Hey, how you doing? I obviously used to hide everybody. And we did this great improv improvisation. I thought, well, he's going to get one of these comics or guys from Saturday Night Live or here or there is going to get this, you know? And then I went home and, and they called and said, hey, they, they want you to do this. And I said, okay, great. So I get down there and, I, and I'm doing it. And then I see Jerry Seinfeld. So I think, oh, Jerry's visiting. And then I see Michael Richards. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's odd. They're all visiting. And then I see Julie Louise Dreyfus. And I see that I'm in the makeup chair and Jason Alexander sitting next to me. And then I see Andy Ackerman, who ironically directed all the Seinfelds and then became the director of all the Beckers, my show. So I know Andy well, because he directed Seinfeld, and after Seinfeld, he came over to Becker. So I said, I see Larry. But Larry, what, what the fuck is going on? And uh, he said, oh, 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 you don't know? I'm reuniting the character Seinfeld. Don't tell anybody. I'm like, 
okay, all right. It would be nice if you would have told me. Not that it matters, but I mean, didn't really need to tell me, I guess. And then we did it, and then we just did it, and it was great, and I and I and we had a blast, and they and they let me do what I wanted to do, and they never really, you know, they kind of let me go with it, and and it's all improvised, and and that was it, and then that ended up being a really great episode, and because the Cypher reunion became a, a highly uh, got really good ratings that episode, particularly because the Seinfeld people were on it, you know. And then that was it. And I think it's great, great. And then a weird, I moved home, I moved, I was, I moved, I moved from Los Angeles in 2014. I moved back. Now this is eight years later. Eight years after anybody had ever seen Mocha Joe. Because Larry takes so much time off between season. It's been eight years from season seven. Between season seven and season 10 was eight years. One day, I'm, one day, ironically, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know why, but it popped into my head. But I wonder what, I wonder what that would be. That Mocha Joe, whatever, you know, came back. Like, what would we do? What would I do? Well, I was thinking about what I could have done in the scene. I could, sometimes actors do that. You go back and you go, well, maybe I could have, you know. And I had some weird thing. I remember it was New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve was over. And I got an, a couple of days when the business got back, I got a, a man, uh, a text from my man, uh, email from my manager saying, "Hey, Kirby Enthusiasm has picked up a season ten. How does this affect you? You may ask." The producers called and they, Larry David said he wants you to do a couple episodes, but they didn't say what. And I said, "Okay." <laughs> so I was like, "Oh yeah, great. When you do it, call me. I, you know, I, hey, I want to know if you're available. Yeah, I'm at the time I was available. Yeah, I'm available right now. I don't know when they're doing it." And then I get it, they call back and they say, well, he needs you for three or four episodes. I said, okay, great. You know? And then they call back again and said, four or five episodes. Six or seven episodes. And they call back again and said, we need, we need you for seven or eight. And I kept going, we need you for all. So, <laughs> you know, and the producer told me later, you know, they were telling Larry, Larry you got to stop writing for Severio because we're not even sure he can do it if he's not available. And Larry was like, oh, he'll do it, he'll do it. He'll, don't worry about it. So, Larry was writing his thing for me. Now I have no idea what he's writing. I don't know what he's doing. Because he doesn't tell me. I had seen him on Broadway and I went backstage and said hello to him after his Broadway show. And <laughs> we were laughing and bullshitting. And, uh, but he didn't tell me what he was doing. And uh, he was pretty secretive about it. And then the night I got on the plane to go from New York to L.A. to do it, he finally let me have the first two episode, uh, outlines for the first two episodes. So I read the outlines on the plane. I went, oh, okay. All right, all right. I didn't even know the extent of it to what they were doing. And then when I got down there, I saw Larry. He was like, big year for you, buddy. Big year for you, buddy. I'm like, well, what are we doing? And then and then I realized, oh, shit. That when I got there and I saw that they had literally rented a, a real store space and built Mocha Joe's in a strip mall <laughs> in Los Angeles and built in a building Latte Larry's right next door. I went, oh, shit. They put a lot of money into this. This has got to be... This is going to be, you know, they didn't build this for nothing. And then, you know, it just went from there and it was just, and then, then I'd see, then, I, then he started giving me the treatment and telling me what was going on. And I was like, oh, wow. And I asked him how he came up with the idea to bring me back. And he said, I said, what, 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 what made you, you know, do this? And he said he was in Martha's Vineyard vacationing and he went to get a, a cup of coffee at a coffee place and it was cold. And when he tried to return it, they wouldn't give him another one and 
he was so pissed off about it that he was driving home and he saw a business for rent and he thought to himself, I'm going to rent that place and open up a coffee shop and put them out of business. And when he got back to his house, he went into the office to start writing the new season and he went, Mocha Joe! And that's how he wrote the season. And I, so thank God they gave him a, a, a shitty cup of coffee because I would have been out of a job had they had they changed his coffee, you know. Isn't it amazing how that works? I mean, it's funny. I got to ask you, because, uh, you know, we've been through a lockdown and I know you had just said, you know, you auditioned for a part. Now, I've had, I talked to a lot of actors who they're split on being in the room and doing the taped audition. Where do you fall on it? Like Ray Abruzzo, I talked to Ray when it's just all started happening, and he said how he wouldn't have gotten little Carmine if he wasn't in the room. He said there was a certain look he gave. You know, Carmine was supposed to be a big fat guy, so he has that allegiance to the to the room. But for you, where do you come off? Where where do you feel? How do you feel about the the pros and cons of both? I don't look. I like being in the room. I think that you should be in the room. But I, so I, I have a love hate relationship with it. I, I, I actually hate it, but I don't hate it for the acting part. I hate it for the responsibilities they're putting onto the actor. Taping now, the lighting and the video, and then they give you all the instructions and do this and slate this and full body. And you know, you, you you're spending so much time thinking about that stuff that you're not focused on the work. You know, it's not what we do. And and. Uh, the positive of it is that you know you can you can you can you can nuance your performance and you can send in takes you're really happy with, as opposed to when you go in the room you know you do it and then you take a couple of maybe one or two shots at it, if at any at that at that at all, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, so I, I don't love it, and I and I'd rather be in the room because I think half the time you, you're going to get things in the room because it's, there's an energy in the room and there's you know. Stuff that happened before the audition and stuff that happens after the audition adds to it. Uh, so I, uh, you know, and I never quite know, you know, who's seeing these tapes, you know, you know, uh, who's watching it. Did you see it? You know, you don't get any feedback. You know, did anybody see this? I recently did one, you know, for a really great project. Uh, great. And I was really happy with what I did. It was a really good, really good tape. So they had called back and said, look, you know, they, they offered that part to a name. And uh, a name, uh, a name actor uh, got that part, but they want you to. Will you read for this? Will you put yourself on tape for this other part? Which is like, but the parts were almost the same. You know what I mean? It's like saying, can you audition for this? You know, this cop. Well, we're giving that. We're giving that cop to you know, so and so. Can you come back and read for this cop? You know, and I'm like, no. You know, I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna put myself on tape again for. Another of the same guy. You know what I mean? If it's a different guy, like we say, hey, we know you read for the cop, but that went to a that went to a uh, that went to a name. But would you read for the attorney, or would you read for the lawyer, or would you read for the you know the mobster? Great, that's different. It's a different character. But you know, you, you know if you can't tell that I can play the cop from the first tape, <laughs> then you know, and you're telling me you loved it, then then you know I'm okay with that. But. There's a big thing going on right now. A lot of actors hate it. I, I kind of hate it, really hate it. Uh, and but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like all the looking. I don't like all the, like I said, I hate it for the reason of not, not so much as being in the room, but everything I have to do to get ready to do it yeah, is, is what bothers me. Now, the industry's changed a lot the years you've been in it. How... You know, and you've been a working actor for a long time. How did you get into acting? Like, was it when you were a kid? Did you want to act? Were you a precocious kid, or or what made you follow this career? Because you know, I talked to so many people that 
you know, I did stand-up comedy for eight years on the road, and that and that was in the late eighties, and that, that's that's a tough biz. But with actors, you know, it's so tough because there's so many of you, and then you know, and there's you can go from having a series to not working, and then there's ups and downs, and no one knows that when they're going because it's a fucking pain in the ass. But how how did you get into act? What made you decide to become an actor? I was a musician. I was a drummer, and and. Uh... I was bopping around in music. I loved music, but I loved acting. Deep down, I loved acting, and I, I did some school plays. But I, but I was involved in school plays in, in the musical. I was in the band, and, and then I then I did an on stage part. But uh, that kind of all went away. And I, I was just working a nothing job. I was trying to figure out what to do. And uh, long story short, I, I I took a job driving a truck, uh, doing something, and they were going to teach me how to be something. I don't know. Remember. Anyway, I crashed a truck first week I was there. Got into a really bad accident with the truck and ended up in critical condition intensive care, not expected to live for 10 days. And while I was in the hospital, I just said, you know, what I really want to be is an actor. If I make it out of here, then I'm going to go do what I want to do. And uh, that's what happened. I was able to get better and go to physical therapy and, and get strong enough. And the first minute I could, I, 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 I lived in Brooklyn. I cut out of. T- I, I, I went into the city. I found HQ Studios, an acting class, and I signed up. And I never looked back. I said, "I'm going to do what I want to do with my life," and that's what I really want to do. And I and and I did. Uh, and then I just, you know, started doing a lot of theater in New York, and I st- was still playing music a little bit here and there, but not. I knew it wasn't something that I wanted to do. You know, music was sort of like was my something I loved and I didn't want to monitor. I didn't, I just, you know, I just like, I just loved music and loved playing, but I didn't, I didn't see, see myself going around, you know, trying to be in a band and becoming a professional musician, a drummer. So I, acting was what I wanted to do. And I just kept at it. Started doing plays in theater and people would come see those plays in theater. And then, you know, that led to uh, television and pilots and, and it just happened that way organically. So I luckily, lucky for me, I, I almost died. And that's how I became an actor. Uh, now you saw you talk about pilots. You know, so many people will sit there and say they have they have a bunch of pilots, and I always I always laugh because they're all pissed that the pilot didn't get picked up. But I'm thinking there's so many actors that are going, holy crap, you got a pilot. I mean, you know, that's the dream. But what was your first pilot, and and what was it like when it didn't get picked up? What first pilot I ever did was the one I just told you about that Larry David came down and helped out on. And uh, that was my first pilot. I was living in the city. They flew all us. They flew us out. The test. Uh, it was for Fox. They flew us out to test. And I remember getting it. It was like a big deal. That pilot, I was happy about it. We were happy. And, and uh, you know, you sit around. You wait. You wait to see if it gets picked up. And then it doesn't. And, and you know, it just. I don't know. I, I just. Always, I had a different attitude than a lot of people have. I just sort of was like, you know what? I just did it. And then I try to like kind of forget about it, and then, and then kind of, and and then and let the chips fall where they may. I didn't. I don't remember having any kind of like. You know, I remember going, oh, it would have been great had that got picked up, you know. But I don't remember, you know, focusing on it much too, too too long, you know, because I knew I had a sense of the business, you know, long before. You know, I had a sense of what the business was, and and I knew it was about networks making money, and I knew why you didn't think didn't get picked up necessarily have to do with the talent or or the piece or or you know sometimes it's like you know i had a development deal and we had an idea for a great show and the reason the only reason we couldn't get it off the ground was 
was because the network said it involved a kid. There was a kid in it. And the network was like, we don't want to do any shows with kids this year. You know, so it didn't mean the pilot was bad. It's just that the networks, you know, like, we want a Seinfeld. Or we want to, you know, whatever's hot. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you, you just never know. I mean, like sitting around and eight years later, you get a call and say, hey, you're coming back to Curve. I, I mean, that's the, I can honestly and truly tell you that that is the last call I ever expected to get. I thought that was a one-shot deal. Mocha Joe, I did a great job. I was very happy with it. Larry was thrilled. Uh, and I love working with last one of my, well, probably my best, my favorite job ever in 33 years is doing Kurt. I mean, I have to say, that's how fun it is. I mean, and particularly I love working with Larry. I mean, we get along really well. He's really a good actor, believe it or not. People in the terms of like, cause people think he's Larry and people think it's improvised, but he's really good at nuancing and his nuance and his, and, he, and, he, and uh, you know, you could be working with them and you could tell when you're doing it, the scene, whether or not that's going to make it in this show or not. Because he's editing in his head. Well, like, I'll say something. Hello. I'll do it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you just, you just see it. You know, you know how it's going. And uh, and it, you get to create this. Don't forget that the only thing they the only thing they told me when I originally did it was that you were Muppet Joe and Larry did you a favor. You did Larry a favor and you didn't tip you. But they never told me how to create my backstory. They never told me what to say. You know, they'll say, keep that. That's great. Don't keep that. Or, or you know, and then uh, on season 10, you had, to, of course, you have wonderful people, writers on the chat like Carol Leifer, you know, and, and, and those people who are on the show, who, you know, one of the best lines I had in season 10 came, didn't come from me. I, I didn't come from me. It came from Carol. At the end of the scene, when Larry's getting in the, when I robbed the videos from Larry's house and the FBI's arresting him for piracy and we're doing that scene and we're improvising the whole scene. And then like the, I think the, the last take Carol ran over to me and said, Hey, when Larry, when they're driving away with Larry say, and stop sending people over the shit in my store. Now I could never say that line because I didn't know. I didn't know the storyline with the no defecating in the, and I didn't know that when we were shooting it. So I could never come up with that line. But Carol knows. Shit. Now go go over there and say that. And I say that line. And it gets a huge laugh from Larry. You could see him laughing as they put him in the car. Because he doesn't know I'm going to say it. And so, you know, it just works in that way. I, I love the way. I absolutely creatively love the way they work over there. And, and uh, you know, it's just a thrill to do it. You know, I... I, I, I I couldn't believe that Larry, you know, gave me, in, in, in an essence, gave me the season, gave me that main, you know, made me the the main nemesis that season. And I even said to him at one point, Larry, is this, is it working? Like, he goes, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I said, is it work? Is it working? Like, yeah, it's working great. What are you talking about? It's you, you were great on the first take. I said, no, 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 but I'm saying it. You, I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, not to be arrogant, but I'm carrying this storyline. This is a major storyline for season 10. And I mean, if it doesn't work, we built the fucking sets, we built the store, we're burning it down. Like, you know, it's got to work. It's working. Stop worrying. It's working. You know? <laughs> but, you know, which is odd to me because I don't normally worry like that. I just do my work. But I felt a sort of, uh, I felt a, uh, I felt a certain, uh, to him, you know, I, I felt indebted to him in that way to say, look, I got to be good at this because he, 
you know, like he didn't call me up and say, hey, I want you to come in. Let's talk about it. Let's, you know, let me, you know, I'm, I'm giving you the season. You got to be able to, he just called and said, you're doing this. And, and I want you to do it. So he had no reservations whatsoever, whether or not that character could hold the season. You know, would it be, you know, would it, would it be, and will people, can you, can you sustain it for the season? He had no reservations about it. I was like, okay. If you're not worried about it, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> now, I want to. I want to ask you. You know, you you said you know you run that whole season. Earlier in your career, you've been in a few shows. I mean, you're on Easy Streets, which was uh, like well, I think Louis Lombardi was in that. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember if Louis was on it. But uh, Easy Streets, but that was one. It was there, and then you did temporarily yours, which was only for a season. But what is that like when you're once again, you know, it's one thing to get a pilot and it doesn't get picked up. But then when you become a regular on a show and you start seeing that regular cash coming in and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a regular. Then all of a sudden you think it's going good and they go, stop. What? How do you stay in the saddle? Because, you know, from Easy Streets, it looks like you went to temporarily to yours. And both were great casts, but they didn't last. I did both. Actually, I did Easy Streets and temporarily yours at the same time. And they were on the same night, on the same network. I sh- uh, temporarily yours was on at nine thirty, the nine nine thirty sitcom, and I was on the ten o'clock drama on Easy Street. I had to get permission from Les Moonves to do both, and on the same night, in the same network. Now that must make you feel great as an actor that you're that they're going to let you be on both because that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, you don't sit there and go. Oh, and then you're right. People are going to go. I mean, you know, I've done background. I've done a lot of stuff in LA, and they're like, "Oh, you can't come on background if you've been on three weeks." It's like, well, why? I'm going into a coffee shop. People go to the coffee shop, but for that, when they see you in a comedy, then you see in a drama, they must have the ultimate respect for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, <laughs> I would hope that's part of it. But yeah, I did have to get permission uh, because I was shooting. I had a, uh, I had a, uh, I had a deal with CBS. And uh, I had a deal with CBS, gave me a deal. Uh, I had a deal to do a show there. And uh, Debbie Mazar called, and, and I knew Debbie a long time. And Debbie said, I'm doing this show, and I want you to do it. And, blah, 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 blah. and when, when, so the network didn't know that I knew Debbie. So the network called and said, you know, there's this Debbie Mazar show, and we want you to go over and meet Debbie to see if you guys hit it up. Meanwhile, I knew Debbie. You know, we knew each other. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, you know. And, and go over, and if you do the show with Debbie, and... And if you don't, and, and if you don't want to do it, then we'll give you we'll give you a deal and for your own show. You know, at the time it was a big. I was getting development deals from somebody. I don't know. If I'm, I had that weird thing happen to me in one day when Mary Tyler MTM, Mary Tyler Moore's company, offered me a development deal. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I had met an exec over there who liked my work, and they offered me a development deal. And they offered me a, a you know a nice chunk of change to hold me, and uh, so then I got the call from CBS the same day saying, "Hey, we want you to do this thing with." And I said, well, I got this development deal with Mary Tyler Moore's company. And that's when Les Moomba said, listen, go meet Debbie. And if you like it, this show is already picked up at six. You do the show. And if you don't like it, we'll give you a development deal. We'll match the MTM offer for your own show. So I'm driving. I, I, got, I can't lose. So my wife said, drive carefully. You know, I can't lose. I can't lose because either way. Meanwhile, you know, I know Debbie. We're friends. So I knew we'd hit it off. We, 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 we knew each other. And uh, so I went in there and I acted like, you know, I loved Debbie and I, and I did like, uh, I loved the character. So I ended up doing Temporarily Yours. That's what happened. So I thought of doing Temporarily Yours and then Easy Street's called. And they wanted me to do that.
But I said, look, they're on the state. They're both on Wednesday nights. <laughs> and the 9 o'clock or 9.30 comedy, 9 or 9 o'clock, 9 or 9.30 temporarily was on at 10 o'clock was the drama, Easy Street. So we had to call Les Moonbest and we had to get permission because they didn't, they didn't like doing that. So it was great to me because I got to be on. And then uh, I got to be the rare actor that had two shows canceled on the same network in the same season, which is another thing that really happened. <laughs> so both temporarily did six episodes and Easy Street did 10, I think, maybe eight. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, they both got canceled. Easy Streets and Temporarily Yours. So I had both the shows that was on on the same night canceled. So. Yeah, but okay, so, you know, most times, you know, that's something that, of course, you got paid for both shows, so that makes it a lot easier. But once yeah. you go I'll talk about the ego, it's like, you know, if you're a baseball player and you have a big contact, I'm, I'm a Phillies fan. They recently got rid of this kid, Kingery. They have a huge contract. He's yeah. having a crappy year, and they just get rid of him outright. They don't, they don't even sit there and say, hey, you know, we're going to send you to minors. They just go, you're done. So now you're basically a free agent. How does Becker come about? Because you weren't a regular for the first two seasons of Beckler, right? I was a recurring the first year. I, I had recently moved to L.A. Uh, Becker came about. I recently moved to L.A. Uh, Easy Street and, and, and uh, Temporary Yours got canned and I'm I wasn't in L.A. very long. I was newly moved to L.A. I actually moved to L.A. because I was doing those things. Uh, something else that didn't go. And then, then Easy Treats and Temporary Rose came along. And then I got a call from Spike Lee to do a Spike Lee film back in New York. So I said, of course. I moved to L.A. and the first job I got, he wanted me to come back to New York. So I went back to... Uh, I went back to uh, New York and did Summer of Sam for Spike Lee. And while I was in New York, I got a call about Becker, or part on Becker, and I said, I, I, I can't do it. I'm I'm on a movie. And that was the end of it. And then uh, they called again. When I got back to L.A., they called again and said, hey, you know, will you come in and come in and for this role? And I said, okay. And I went in and I was a, it was a guest spot. That's all it was. It was a single episode of Guest Spot to play the to play a, a guy Reggie went to high school uh, that uh, Terry Fowler's character went to high school with. It was just a one shot deal. So uh, I went in and did it, and and at the taping that night, the character got a really big response from the audience for some reason. You know. He walks into the diner, you know, and he tells her what she missed out on, you know, <laughs> not going out with him, and I'm married to a wife with big boobs, and whatever it was. It just got a huge reaction. And so they asked me back to do another one. And uh, I went back and did two. And I ended up doing, I ended up doing, uh, and they asked me to do a third one. And then they said to me, would you be interested in being a regular on the show? And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then I did six as a guest star, I think, something like that. And then I became a, uh, and then they added me to it. It hadn't premiered yet when I came on. It hadn't been on yet. So, so I was on it. I wasn't a rec technically contractually a regular, but I was on it from the very beginning. It hadn't. I was on the first season, but I wasn't a regular. Uh, and then uh, season two, I became a regular. Now, and, explain to the listeners what's the difference between being a recurring guest star and a regular. Well, uh, I mean, a regular is a con you're on the contract. 
to do, you know, a, a certain amount of episodes, all the episodes, or, or a certain amount of episodes, and you, you know, you're, you're a regular. You're, you're in, you're part of the regular cast. You're in the publicity. You're in the post or whatever it is. You know, you're, you're part of it. And a, and a guest spot is you come in, you do one, and and you're done. You're guest starring. Uh, you know, one's basically, you know, a day job, and the other one's a a full, you know, a gig, a full time gig. Uh, now, what was it like working with Ted Danson? Because I, I, I've, you know, he's been in so many like major shows, and he just seems like one of those guys is like a one take Jake. Like he probably just comes in and nails it. You know, he's probably knows comedy so good. What was it like working with him, especially coming off of the popularity of Cheers? So you know, you're rolling into a show that is going to get viewers because everybody loves Ted Danson. You know, I was a huge, you know, I, I, I was a huge Cheers fan, and I loved Ted. And, you know, probably didn't hit me till later. Probably didn't hit me till, you know, after it was over. I mean, it, I, I don't want to say that it didn't hit me. I was aware of it. But, I, but you know, when, I, when you're doing it, you know, when you're in something, you know, you're not really going, you know, oh, you know, oh, this is, I mean, I, I don't at least, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish I was better at that, you know, understanding how, in the moment, how, how great this is, how special this is, you know. But, but I usually do it after. <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, you know, wow, fuck, you know, I'm working with, working with Ted. And I mean, you know, you're doing these scenes, and he, he's, you know, he's, he's amazing. I mean, and he's a great guy. And he, I mean, he, you know, he, he knows how to turn a look. And he knows how to get a, you know, he just he's, he's an amazing guy and an amazing actor. And I, and I was like, wow, you know, this is uh, this is special. Like, you know, for me, as it going on, but watching this guy, you know, and and now I'm. Working with him and toe to toe, you know, scene to scene, you know, and uh, and it was a thrill to get to go back, you know. We got and Ted and I, you know, we, I, we get along really well, and uh, we became good friends over over that five five seasons of Becker, and he's a sweetheart, and and I was thrilled to be reunited with him on Curb, which I also didn't know was happening, but uh, but uh, Larry told me later on, you know, I'm gonna Ted Dance is gonna get on your side, he's gonna team up with you, Uncle <laughs> Joe, and I said, you're kidding me. I was happy that uh, I got to reunite with Ted and now not only work with Ted on Becker, but also work with Ted on Curb. You know, Curb was so... Spe- I, I, Becker was special. I really loved Becker uh, because I loved that cast. I mean, Alex Desaire and Shawnee Smith and Hattie Winston. I mean, just don't make people like that. They were they were really talented. Ted, Ted was just amazing. And because he was Ted Danson, we had this amazing schedule. You know, you know, we... We worked every day, but like, you know, we'd all agree to come in. Ted would make us all agree to come in really early on Friday, like seven o'clock in the morning, which is unheard of for a sitcom, you know. <laughs> he said, let's all come in at seven so we could be done rehearsing by like, you know, 11 and we could be at the beach by noon, you know. <laughs> so we would all go in really early, work, and then, and I said, Ted, this is a great idea if we're all allowed to come to your beach house in Malibu when we're done. <laughs> Other than that, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> now, now, what was it like when Becker starts is a hit, and all of a sudden you're starting to get recognized, and your character isn't like the savory good guy you love. I mean, you know, you're swarmy. You know, what is that like for you when all of a sudden people start recognizing you? And unfortunately, sometimes the public can't distinguish between. Yeah. You know, they they don't know you're a nice guy. They probably think, oh, there's that dip from Becker. What was it like for you to start getting recognized all the time? 
Well, people automatically think you're that guy. You know, they're like, oh, you're so sleazy or, or you're so, this, you know, I just know those guys and I play them well. You know, it's like Curb. You know, people ask me, I have people come up to me to ask me where my coffee shop is located. <laughs> yeah, all the time. And people ask, say crazy things. The guy said to me in, I don't know where I was the other day. I might have been in Home Depot or something. And some guy says to me, are you Mocha Joe? And I said, I'm the actor who plays Mocha Joe. And he said, yeah, but are you Mocha Joe? <laughs> what does that mean? You know, I don't know what that means. But if people go, you know, where's your coffee shop? Or, or did you get the role because you love coffee and you're into coffee and you're like a coffee connoisseur? And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, you know. And then Bob was, on Becca was like a real thing. Like, I couldn't go to Vegas. I'm not a big Vegas guy, but my parents were in Vegas and I, my, they love Vegas. And I went to Vegas to visit them, like in, when, when Becca was in the height, like, you know, people, a lot of people don't remember, but Becca was a top 10 show. I mean, it wasn't like a, people think, oh, you know, because it wasn't a hit show, but it was. We were, we were on after everybody loves Raymond. The problem with Becca was we didn't get the the, 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 stud, the network. They never promoted us because, you know, their attitude was, well, why, we don't have to promote you. You're on after everybody loves Raymond, and that's our signature show. So if we promote Raymond, we're promoting you. Not really, but that was their take. You know, you got the premier time slot. So when we were on at 9.30 after Raymond, we were in the top 10. And, uh, you know, and we always, we were made, and then and then when it wasn't top 20 and, and even top 40, you know, we, so we were for five years. I didn't go back for the sixth season, uh, but, but, uh, but we were at a show. And I, you know, I go to Vegas, I'd have like, Guys asking me, I was with my parents, and some guy asked me to sign his wife's breast. And I was like, my mother was like, what did he say? I was like, you want me to sign his wife's breast? My mother goes, that's disgusting, get him out of here. And my dad would go, you know all these people? No, I don't know them. You know, he didn't understand why people would say hello to me all the time and come up to me all the time. And we was, I remember my favorite story is I'm sitting, I don't gamble, my parents have to gamble. So I'm sitting at the blackjack table with my father. And my dad's deaf, so we're sitting there, and the, the, the I guess you call him the pit boss. The pit boss recognizes me, and he comes over to me, and he says, "Hey, well, I'm a big fan. You know, you staying at the hotel?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, oh, good. yeah." He goes, "Oh, so so nice to have you." And he comes over, and he leans over to me, and says, "We're gonna comp. We're gonna we're gonna comp your room." I said, "Oh, uh, oh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate it." So my mother's at another table playing over there. My dad's with me. So my dad says to me, what did he say? I said, nothing. He's going he's to comp my room. He says, why? I said, he recognized me from the show. He's going to comp my room. He goes, really? The free room? I said, yeah. So he screams. <laughs> Angie, they're going to comp our room because they recognized him on TV. <laughs> and all the other fucking players are like, what? what? He's getting a comp room? He didn't lose any money. They're not even gambling. I'm down, down five grand. I'm paying for a room. I said, Dad, what's wrong with you? So funny. And he could, he can't understand. I took him to a boxing match. I took him to a uh, a fight because I'm a big fight fan. And I took him to a fight at the Barclays Center. And and people, you know, were sitting. We got like HBO gave me like ringside seats. So I'm sitting ringside. I got took my dad with me. And, you know, and all these people are like, you know, hey, you know. High fiving you. How you doing? Let you see you. Sign this. You know, Mocha Joe, whatever it is. And he, again, he's like, "Why all these people come over to you? I, I, you know these people." I said, "No, Dad, they're fans. You know, you still can't contemplate why people come over. You know, why so many people come over to you? You know, like so. So so it's interesting in that regard. But Becca was uh, 
Becca was, uh, I would, I would, you know, when you're on a TV series, when you come into people's homes every week, you know, people get real, real familiar with you. So there's a familiarity with television that there isn't in movies. I feel like movies are big screen. Not anymore to this thing. People watch movies at home even more now. But like when you're in the big screen, you know, movie stars are, they seem a little more intimidating. But, you know, every night, you know, people watch, you know, people watch TV and they're in their bedrooms, you know, they're in their pajamas and like you're in the bedroom with them, you know. And, you know, then you have those really wonderful moments where I was shooting a movie in Las Vegas, ironically. I was shooting a movie in Las Vegas and I got home late from shooting one night. I went down to the hotel bar just to get something to eat. So I sat in the, at the bar by myself. I ordered some food. I'm having a glass of wine. And this woman comes over to me and says, hey, I'm really sorry to bother you. But we're here with a friend of ours who's we're trying to cheer her up. Her husband just died of cancer, and he was a huge fan of yours and Becker, and just loved you and watched you all the time. We cannot believe you're sitting at the bar, and we wanted to come over and say, "Can she come over and say hello to you?" I said, "Of course." So she comes over and tells me the story about her about her husband loving Bob from Becker, and, and you know, just loving it and, and and watching it in his hospital room. He they ended up dying of cancer, but. There's those moments where you get hit with this sort of, where you think, eh, it's just some fucking stupid sitcom, you know? And then you realize, oh, wow, you know, it's it's not. Because I realized, you know, my life, that's what made me want to be an actor. I mean, Henry Winkler made me want to be an actor. That's how I wanted to be an actor. Henry Winkler's performance on Happy Days was the reason I wanted to be an actor. People go, oh, was it De Niro, Pacino? And I go, no, it was Henry Winkler. This performance on Happy Days, and who I used to see that... Seeing him not as Fonzie, and then as Fonzie, made me go, what? That's Fonzie? <laughs> that nerdy dude, Henry Winkler, he's Fonzie? I know. I always say that. It's like, you wouldn't get it. You know, Henry Winkler, would you see him? And he, I mean, and I was a big happy, we're the same age, I was a big Happy Days fan. I remember when, when Fonzie, before the leather jacket, he wore a... Uh, he yeah, worked, the numbers only. Like the, yeah, the yeah. yeah, so, no, yeah. You, you know, you've worked with somebody, you know, with Ted Danson and Larry David. You also got to do an episode of Monk, which I just, my wife loves that show. I just started watching it because when she watches it on TV, and, and he's amazing. But what is it like, what was it like working with him? Because the guy, I and mean, he has that character down to a T, and as another actor, is it intimidating at all because he knows that character so good? No, I, I know Tony. I mean, that's so less intimidating because I knew I know Tony, and uh, we're friendly in LA. I be I just you know he invited me to the house and we have mutual friends and he's, him and Brooke are wonderful people. And uh, I had gone in there. Tony wanted me to come on the show at some point. I went in there and auditioned for the role to play Monk's brother, and uh, I had a really great audition. They loved it. And long story short, Tony. Said, you know, we're going to, John Turturro is going to do it. So they, uh, Tony, uh, Monk's brother went to Turturro. So uh, then that went away. And later on, you know, story of my life, you know, and, you know, Turturro is doing it, you know, <laughs> or so-and-so is doing it, you know, just the way it goes down, you know. And then that role came up of the, of the commissioner. And he said, would you be interested in doing this? And I said, uh, yeah, and I went in and I did it, and and, and uh, Andre Belgrader was uh, was directing, and who who knows Tony and knows John, and they all went to, they went to Yale together. So, it, 
it was great. I mean, I, I, once again, working with Tony, just sort of like, I'd never worked with Tony, you know, so I never was in anything with him, except uh, I later on, after I did Monk, I did Hemingway and Gellhorn with him on HBO, but, but, uh, but we, we were in the same scene, but we weren't acting with each other, you know, but, uh, but no, I mean, Tony's brilliant. And, you know, I, I think back now, you know, now that I'm an old fart and, uh, I think back now, and I, and I realize, you know, how, how 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 lucky I've been to work with to work with such amazing people. I mean, from Tony to Ted to James Kahn, you know, James Kahn, uh, Tony, Larry David. I mean, you know, uh, just you know, I, I I've been I've been lucky. I've been lucky in that regard, and and in terms of you know, you think you know, like I said, when you're in it, and you're doing it. You don't want to get into that head because you want to be an actor. You want to be on the same level. You know, I'm not into being some you know giddy starstruck dude, but because it gets in the way of the work, and it's not what people need. But uh, when you reflect and you go, wow, you know, yeah, that's that's it's nice that I got to do that. Now the Mocha Joe role, you know, you know that. Catapults you back into huge thing, and then then I see you on Law and Order a few weeks ago where you're a complete creep. And I was like, I was in there going, "We're, I'm going, oh good." What is it like when when you go on a set? I mean, first of all, was that an offer? Or was it was or was it an audition? And are people more possibly afraid to offer you a drama role because people may think of you as Mocha Joe, even though we know you're an actor, that's your crap, you change roles, but something like gets stuck. I mean, how does that work? That's happened to me in general. I mean, in, in general, it's, it's loosening up. I would notice, say, the last few, few years, it's loosening up because that's always been the issue with, you know, when you're funny, you, if, if you're known for comedy, you're funny. I was on a sitcom and then, you know, and you, you, people tend to shy away from you. They think you were, you know, they think you were that guy, you know, especially me, you know, because I grew up with, around a lot of New York guys and was kind of like Bob, the sleazy leather jacket guy. You know, I know those guys. So when I, I feel I play them fairly well, but people think that you're that guy. And then they start going, well, he's only that good because he's, he is that guy. You know, so you get that a lot. Well, he is Bob. He is Mocha Joe. And so, and even casting directors, you know, they limit you in that, in that as much as they, you know, have a job to do. They limit you in that. And there's certain things that you just will not get brought in on. That you have to fight for and you don't always win to get in on. But, but it, 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 it is difficult, but you, you try to. Uh, Law and Order was an offer, uh, uh, because I had been the. Uh, I was teasing the the producer that I have, I'm the only New York actor who's never done an episode of Law and Order, and they couldn't believe. They thought I was joking. They were like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "I've never done any of them." I said, "You guys have 46 shows, and I've never been on any of them." And uh, and they said, "Well, that's about the change." And it's my father's favorite show, which is why I was teasing them. And I thought, look, he's 87. You got to put me on this friggin' thing, all right? It's his favorite show, so they said okay. So then they called up and said, "We're gonna, we're gonna break the, we're gonna break the curse. Will you, will you do? Come on and do this. It's a little, it's a quick hit, you know, in and out, not a big thing, but will you do it?" I said, "Of course I'll do it." You know, my dad was so excited. My dad said, "I finally made it when I told him I was going to be on Law and Order." <laughs> you should finally made it. So, so what made you move back to New York? Because I, I was in LA for fifteen years. I moved back four years ago. I just, I, I couldn't buy anything out there. I just got tired of it. L.A. had just changed to me over the years. But what made you move back? I moved to L.A. in 96. And I moved back to New York in 2014. I was there 17 years. Uh, I had a kid. And my daughter turned seven. And we were in L.A. And, you know, 
uh, we had a nice circle of friends, but you know, no family was there, and I, I really wanted my daughter to. I thought, well, I want to be at least you know closer to them so that they can, you know, my daughter can be a grandparents, when, you know, and uh, that was really it. And 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 you know, not not much. I, I won't say not much was happening for me. I mean, you know, I got my jobs, but it was that thing. Everybody just thought I was Bob on Becker and. You know, I actually had a casting director say to me once, which really, I mean, I know she didn't mean it. Somebody I knew really well, and she worked on Becker, and they called me in to do this thing, and, and they called me in to play, you know, uh, a character who was Spanish, you know, and I, and, and, and they wanted, you know, a, you know, an accent, you know, so I went in, and I did it, I had a really great audition, and I did it, and she was like, after I did it, she was like, "No, no, 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 no." Just remember, when I call you in, I, I want, I want, I want Bob from Becker. I, I don't want. And I'm like, but this guy isn't Bob from Becker. So you're just calling me in to give me. I'm just the guy who comes in to give you the version. If you guys don't go Spanish with the accent, I'm just the guy who comes in and gives you Bob from Becker in case you want to go what funny. I don't know, <laughs> like <laughs> what funny, you know. Thank you, but I, I, I'm, I can't give you Bob from Becker every time you come in. And I think that's it. You know, people think you're the guy. And I, I don't know. I've, I've often had this conversation with people. I still do. People think I'm Mocha Joe. With other actors, it doesn't happen. And I don't know. I know people try to compliment you because you're so good. I, I don't know if it's that. I, 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 it's a thing. Sometimes it's maybe it's just my face. People think I am the guy. You know, I, and I can't tell you how many people think. I'm a guy named Mocha Joe who owns a coffee shop. Now, the thing also is, though, and that's, you know, it's a, it's a weird predicament to be into, but on the upside, I, I follow you on Twitter, and, and you seemed like you did a shitload of cameos as Mocha Joe, which is, which is easy money as, a, as an actor. I mean, so how did the cameo come about you, and how many do you do? You know what? I, I, I was really reluctant to do that. I did not want to be on Cameo. No disrespect to Cameo. But, I mean, when I was on Becker, every cast member on Becker did the Hollywood Squares. Whoopi Goldberg was doing the Hollywood Squares at the time. And I refused to do it. So, so one time, we're in Las Vegas with the whole show, and we're promoting. We're in Vegas for the upfronts, and the whole cast of Becker is there. And, and we're walking to the casino, and who do I run into? Whoopi Goldberg. And she says, Wait, you don't want to do Hollywood Squares? Everybody else has done it. Why don't you want to do Hollywood Squares? And I'm like, Whoopi, it's not personal, you know? So I'm teasing. I said, I'll tell you what. When I hear I'll take Robert De Niro for the block, I'll take Marlon Brando for the win, then I'll do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, a couple of months later, I get a tape or a call, and they show me a clip of of uh, Rod Steiger. They had Rod Steiger on Hollywood Square. Don't fucking ask me why. I don't. Oh no, or Robert Duvall. I don't know. It was one. They had got the cast of a movie that they were promoting to do Hollywood Square. So they stuck it. It was either Robert Duvall or Rod Steiger. I can't remember. They stuck him in a square, and he was like. Eh. So she said, see, Rod Steiger on the waterfront. He did it. So now I had to do it. So I said, okay, great. So 
So I went in and did it. And she was absolutely friggin' lovely to me and great. But I didn't, I don't, I, I don't mean disrespect anyone. I didn't want to do it. And Cameo was the same thing. It's like, look, it's not how I want to make a living. And then the pandemic hit. And nobody was working for a year. And Susie Espin said to me, hey, why don't you do Cameo? I'm doing Cameo. I said, you're doing it? She said, yeah. I'm, I'll recommend you. We're the only people from Curb on it. I said, yeah, because nobody else has to do it. <laughs> uh, you know. I just got forty billion in the bank. It doesn't need fucking cameo. <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm like, uh, I was reluctant, 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 and then I signed up and I said, you know what? No one's gonna, no, no one's gonna, no one's gonna book me. And uh, I signed up a year ago, May fifteenth, and I've done five hundred of them since. And you know, I average, you know. And from anything, it's from people, advice, people want you to ban them, wish them happy birthday, uh, all this sweet stuff. And then, uh, and then I thought of getting like, you know, notes from people and, 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 and thank you from people. And you, and you, you know, it's not personal. I don't mean it's personal. Like I don't, I don't judge people who do it, but then I, you know, but, but I started doing it and people do appreciate them. And I thought, all right, well, it's cash. I need to make some cash. <laughs> and I started doing it. And then I started enjoying doing it because, you know, I've had people invite me to their wedding. You know, like I do, I do wedding videos. You're getting married, and people, and, and then people send me an invitation to the wedding and say, "Come, we know you're not going to come, but come have a drink." You know, crazy stuff. And you know, you know, like Larry said once. You know, Larry would. They, people don't believe Larry, but like you know, he he literally like he, he'll flag down somebody in Manhattan instead of a cab, like a regular person, to get in their car to give him a lift uptown, you know what I mean? And he's like, eh, and he, I, I, got, you know, I got in with this guy, and you know, he drove me up to 78th Street. I'm like, you got in the car with the fucking stranger? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, who was it? He goes, yeah, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> so, so what's, what's, what's the future plans? Did you do a Billions episode? I just did Billions, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I shot Billions. Uh, yeah, a great, a great episode. But it's not going to be on until season six. It's so behind. I think season six is not going to premiere until 2022. <laughs> but I got to work with Paul Giamatti, who I know, and that we did a movie together so many years ago. And and then never worked together together again since. But it was fun to see Paul and, and work with Paul once again, working with another great actor who I knew. But, uh, you know, sorry. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, is that part your enthusiasm ringtone? It is. My daughter put it on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. My daughter put it on my phone, and 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 now when it rings, I'm like, I have to be embarrassed. So I'm gonna take it off eventually. I'm in the hardware store. Anybody turns around and goes, Ah, oh, come on, the Mocha Joey. So, so what else is going on in your career? What what do you have coming up besides billions? I don't for coffee anymore. I go to any coffee shop, pretty much anywhere, and I get a cup, free cup of coffee. So, so that's good. The only, the only, you know, not negative is that I get. Anywhere I go, they do. Even if I go to Starbucks, somebody if I if they go if I go to Starbucks now, most of the time if they say name, I say Severio, and the cup comes back with Mocha Joe on it. <laughs> Mocha Joe on it, and they, and I get and people send me coffee all the time, like bags of coffee from coffee companies, you know, uh, beans. Now, I, one final question. I saw you tweet about Springsteen. Are you a big Springsteen fan? And Springsteen on Broadway? Yes. Yeah. So have you seen the show? I have. He, he's the reason I quit being... I, I, I wanted to play drums for him and I couldn't, so that's why I became an actor. I, I, I literally... 
I said that to him once. I used to be a bartender at the White Horse Tavern, so I used to wait on him. I waited on him a couple of times. And uh, I told him, you know, you're the reason I became it. You're the reason I became an actor because, you know, you already had a drummer and I wanted to play for you. But I was, you know, slightly too young and, uh, and you already had Weinberg. So I became an actor instead. <laughs> He's like, well, it all worked out, didn't it? <laughs> he said, well, it all worked out, didn't it? <laughs> now, you're very, you're very involved on Twitter. And, you know, you're, you put funny stuff, then you also put political stuff. And it's good because you, you, you do both. There's some people who just sit there and they just keep pounding in the head with politics. And after a while, you're like, uh, how, how, have people lashed out at you at all? I mean, do people, or do they because they know you're Mocha Joe, they're nicer to you? I mean, how does that work? Oh, I get my haters. I get my threats. You know, I get people threatening me. You know, I get that. But I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I'd be really honest with you, and I don't mean to sound arrogant. Is I don't really take any crap from anybody. In a sense where, like, I don't tolerate, I think people, look, a lot of people, those people are bullies. And I don't really, I think once they come after you, if you kind of like, you know, they feel you out to see if you're like, you know, ooh, feel bad about it. But once I come back with them, I come back at them, they leave. They, ne- they never, I don't even fight with them. I just tell them, threaten me and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll find you and I'll, and I'll kill you. It's that simple. You know, and then they go away. You know, I play a character. I go, but they don't, I don't, I, I don't really... They, I get, like I said, I get a few, but not as many as other people. Even now, even though I'm, t- I'm, I'm saying the same thing politically, I don't get as many of the haters as some people do. I, mean, I, don't, I also don't have a lot of followers. I don't have a million followers. I don't have, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, two hundred thousand followers. I, I don't, I don't even know how you do that. I just, you know, I also weed it out. You know, I have, I don't accept people if they're nuts, and you know, I, I don't. Uh, I always feel like it's about quantity, not quality. So I don't, you know, I don't really like, I don't go, oh, I only have 20, whatever, 100 followers. I don't, I don't care. You know, I was never on Twitter. I really got on Twitter kind of after Kirby Enthusiasm, I got on Twitter. I wasn't using it much. I would, I would do other social media, but I wasn't doing Twitter. And uh, I had a Twitter account, but I literally had, I think I had like 11 followers. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't use it. And then after Curb, people started tweeting at me. You know, some it's just really Mocha Joe. Are you Mocha Joe or Mocha Joe? And so people started, and then I'll, I'd look at my Twitter and I'd be like, "Oh, uh, this famous person just followed you." And I go, "Really? Why did that person follow me?" And then because, you know, and then and then they blue checked my account because you know HBO blue checked my they made them blue check my account because then I started getting these like fake accounts. People were pretending they were Mocha Joe. <laughs> And saying one guy was had Mocha Joe listed with my picture on it, and he was saying all this racist shit. So I was like, you know what? And HBO said, we'll take care of that. And they verified my account for me because I didn't want to be associated with my picture up there. And this guy saying all this racist shit. But he had my picture <laughs> and then Mocha Joe. And I'm like, wait a second, this ain't me. So I literally, they blue checked me. And, and I was like, okay, but I didn't care about a blue check. But I was like... And then there's a guy who called himself Mocha Joe who tweets all this crazy stuff. And then I looked it up and I realized, oh, shit, there's a million people calling themselves Mocha Joe. That's the handle. You know, like I said, Curb, Curb is a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, a cult. Curb, that's what Susie Esmond said. Curb fans, it's like a cult. It's not like a regular show. It's like a cult. They're all, it's a, it's a big cult. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! You know, I want to thank you for uh, taking your, taking the time. Are you on Instagram or anything? Or are you just on Twitter? Instagram, 
I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there, yeah. So people, yeah. look up Severio. Go watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Watch the whole series. you got to watch season, uh, the last season, season 10, where it's just great. And it's just, he he really kicks ass. As I said, it's one of those characters you just remember. And, and that's the thing. Like, you say, hey, you know, Mocha Joe, oh, Mocha Joe, you know. So follow him. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find over 860 episodes there. Email me, cooper, at coopertalk.net. Uh, Instagram at Cooper Talk One. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.